Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. Thank you, Chris. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Just, you know, listening to these episodes, you know, this is like seven or eight that we've done now. It just, it seems like we're, you know, starting to get into the flow. It takes a few podcasts to get into the flow, but these topics are great. They're really great. Yeah, no, I've been enjoying talking about them, dreaming up our long list of additional podcasts. There will be many to come. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. You know, I think the one we have on tap for today is pretty pertinent because we're going into winter and this is a time of year when maybe if you don't pull your blankets off as often as you should, you might pull your blanket off and get a surprise and see maybe my horse needs to gain a little weight. Uh, So I think this is a topic that fits really well for this time of year. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be today talking about condition versus muscling. And I think it's a great topic, especially from a nutritional standpoint, and to pick your brain today. And I think it would be very helpful for horse owners if we just kind of first define condition versus muscle, you know, and kind of what to look for. So, you know, when you talk about condition in a horse, what are we talking about? Not mental condition, right? Or physical, (laughs) if we're talking condition need, right, right, right. So when we're thinking about condition, you're thinking about the total fat cover of the horse. And the best place to look at that is over the ribs. And this is really our indicator of energy status in the horse. If they're getting the perfect amount of energy to support their needs plus work, it's going to stay the same. If they're maybe not getting quite enough, they'll start to lose some weight. You'll see ribs. If they're getting too much, we have that over-conditioned look where they get spongy fat over the ribs. So when we're talking about does my horse need to gain weight in its condition? That's simply looking at fat, which just comes from different energy sources in the horse's diet. Right. Energy is such a tri- tricky topic to uh, discuss in the diet, which I know we have a future podcast planned on that to, you know, as far as how do you measure that? And I think you're right. Like the fat covers is the best indicator that we have in overall health, right? Not just energy in the diet, but overall health. Because, you know, we just think, you know, simple thing like parasites. Absolutely. Yep. If you're keeping it simple in an otherwise healthy horse, it is just their energy intake. But you're right. There's parasites, other diseases, things like EPM can cause a horse to drastically lose weight, even though their energy intake hasn't changed. So that is a great point. There's lots of other things that can cause a horse to lose weight. Great points. Great points. And so now talking about muscling. So we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, we first talked about the fat cover, looking at that, the ribs and, and the hind end, crusty necks, all those things. Now, how do we look at muscling in a horse and what areas should we be looking at? So when we're looking at muscling in the horse, a couple different areas, and you have to realize there is going to be a difference in muscle definition based on genetic potential. So looking at a horse who's bred for halter is quite a bit different than looking at a horse bred for racing um, or so on and so forth with different breeds. But kind of the main places we evaluate muscle, the biggest one is your top line of your horse. So on either side of the spine, you have the longissimus dorsi muscle. And it's actually a tubular muscle that runs along and When a horse doesn't have enough amino acids in its diet, it's depressed. So you see that sunken in look along the spine. If they have great genetic potential and their diet is really good, it can actually be plumped up on either side of the spine. So that's the main place we're evaluating muscle just because 
it's a place that we can very easily quantify. But other places to look at muscle would be through the forearm, the Gaskin, across their hips, kind of overall that total muscular look in the number of places in the body. Right. And, and so you mentioned disciplines in there because I think that's such a great point that horses, based on their activity level, will influence condition and muscling, right? So, you know, let's say, let, let's talk about, I think this one's easy to pick because I've been around racehorses a lot. So if I'm looking at a racehorse, could you kind of describe the differences I would see with condition versus the differences I should see with muscling? Sure. So when you're thinking about your really fit racehorse, they have a very lean body type. Think about your long distance running human. So they don't have a lot of body fat. It does happen. These horses can get too thin, but a healthy racehorse, you're going to see a hint of ribs, something that probably wouldn't be acceptable for a horse who is in the show pen doing a different type of job. But those horses don't want to carry extra weight that's not energetically efficient. So that horse will be really lean. So it's going to have muscling and definition, but they're not larger, bulkier type muscles. They're going to be lean, defined horses who you do see a hint of rib in your typical healthy racehorse. Right. You know, and I'd have people say, oh, that, that horse is, you know, starving, right? Because, you know, we're going to talk about the body condition scoring briefly, but maybe a racehorse is in a four, you know, just because they are thin, they don't have a lot of fat covering. And, you know, I'd always warn people, you know, before you judge, you really have to go through a formal assessment, you know, if, if, a, if a horse is, is underfed or even overfed, you know, which we see. So switching gears to muscling, what would you expect to see in, say, a halter horse with muscling versus condition? So those horses are really bred for genetic potential for muscling. So even a racehorse fed, like as many amino acids as you could pump into them is never going to develop that bulkier muscle look because the genetic potential isn't there. Versus the halter horse, they've been selected for that. So those horses are just naturally more heavily muscled. And then we use nutrition to bring out as much of that as possible. And then the desired look has them higher on the body condition scale. So they're typically a six. So you can feel the ribs if you press, but they're not right there. Whereas your racehorse is going to be more like a four where we can see a hint of ribs. So there is definite differences in the breeding of the horse, the type of job, the desired look for their particular discipline. So, you know, there are some disciplines where they definitely favor horses to be a little higher or more over-conditioned. That doesn't mean that that's necessary for the horses to do that job. That's something that we as humans have decided looks good, and therefore we reward that in the pen versus, you know, a horse really just needs to fall between that four and six body condition score to be healthy. Right. And, and, and I'll address the, the one I wanted to talk about was the broodmare because there's, I mean, there's muscling in there. Cause I mean, I think most horses that are, that are fed correctly and get the proper amount of exercise, there is good muscling and, you know, it depends on genetics too, but in broodmares, you know, we would always suggest keeping them at least in a body condition score of, of close to six, maybe six and a half, depending on how much energy they lose through the winter with foaling. You know, obviously we, we want them to full, you know, as close to January 1st as possible, but that lactation cycle really drains their energy, you know, going back to energy at the beginning. And so that broodmare, she may be kept, you know, 
going into the winter as a six, maybe six and a half, but she'll drop a condition score, you know, if not more, depending on the foal and how much she lactates over, you know, the, the foaling season going up till weaning. So they're more, I would say they have more condition than muscling, you know, just because, yeah. Yep. That is true. Now this is interesting because it makes perfect sense if they're going to lose condition that you'd go into it a little over conditioned. And for a long time, there was this thought that a broodmare couldn't be too fat. Like yeah. All of the early research focused on dysocia and rebreeding rates. And basically that research said, it doesn't matter if she's a seven or eight, it's not going to increase dystocia. It's not going to influence whether or not she becomes rebred in a reasonable amount of time. But some newer research suggests that obese mares are more likely to have insulin resistance issues. That makes perfect sense. Her foals have a greater risk of developing OCDs because of that change in the insulin status that happened during gestation. So there is such thing as going too far on that over-conditioning scale. You know, if you love to see your horses looking plump and you're like, well, I do not want my broodmare to be ribby by the end. Well, Mm -hmm. there is a risk in going too far in over conditioning her going into parturition. Right. That oh, it just, it just reminded me of my, my good friend, uh, Dr. Clay Cavender at Mississippi state. When we were grad students together, his, his PhD thesis was uh, looking at, you know, body conditions in mares. And so we got some, I think up to an eight, nine, he was looking at leptin levels and stuff like that. So that, there you go. There's another podcast <laughs> topic down the road, you know, as we, uh, we go into foaling season or, or, you know, the, the breeding season, but yeah, it's just, it's just interesting when you look at the differences with class of horse, right? So switching gears a little bit, most horse owners are, are probably aware of the body condition scoring system developed by Dr. Henneke, who I actually got to, to meet way back in the day, you know, That's and cool. it was like so cool. I know you're like, oh, you developed the body condition scoring system used around the world. You know, this, I believe it was a, his master's project. It wasn't a PhD thesis. It was a master's project that had such an impact on the horse industry. But briefly, can we just talk about it for people that may not be familiar with it? Sure. So it's a very simple system and it goes from one to nine. One is your extremely emaciated horse. I mean, has no fat on it to the point where it's not going to survive, right? Like absolutely, Mm -hmm. completely emaciated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the opposite end of the scale is a nine. And that horse is so fat that like you can't find its ribs. You can't tell it has bones, but for the fact that it has legs poking out, like drastically fat. And then- A body condition score of four to six is what we consider healthy in the middle. So five dead center is going to be a horse where you can easily feel the ribs, but you can't necessarily see them. So that's what we would kind of indicate that four to six as our healthy range in the middle of the body condition score. And, you know, the Henneke system took into consideration some other areas where fat pockets develop. The interesting thing with that is time has changed. Like the Henneke system was developed in the 80s. We've learned some of those places, like the crest of the neck, those the pockets on either side of the tail head. Those aren't just dictated by energy intake or level of body fat. We see those in horses that are otherwise thinner, but have metabolic issues. So we've kind of learned over time that maybe the Henneke body condition scoring system, we pay most attention to that fat over the ribs as our best indicator of energy status of the horse. 
what it completely ignores is the muscling of the horse. Because we've all seen that horse who's in good condition. Its ribs are covered, and yet they have that completely sunken in looking top line with no muscle to it. They're flat all over. That horse is getting enough energy, but not enough amino acids. So just quickly, you know, without getting too much into the weeds, but when you don't get enough amino acids in the diet is what does the, how does the body react? You know, what is that horse physiology doing? Is it, you know, I'm thinking breaking down the proteins because it uses its reserves, right. To, to get the nutrients it needs. Correct. So horses usually get plenty of protein in their diet. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein. And if we don't have enough of those limiting amino acids, they can't use the rest of the protein in the diet. And there are certain amino acids they have to have for different bodily processes. So if they don't get them in the diet, they're going to pull them from their own body stores. And just thinking about if you don't provide the correct building blocks, they can't recover from performance. They can't build muscle. They can't do all of those things. So there are cases where you're feeding your horse enough. You're doing all the right types of work. Like I've done the long and low. I've put out the ground poles. I've hacked up and down the hills. Why isn't my horse gaining a top line? Well, it may be a nutrition related factor. That's amazing where we've gone the last 20 years in horse nutrition. It's just, you know, that's why when you go to the conferences, the equine conferences, it's just dominated by nutrition where, you know, it was all energy and fat and everything 20 I'm not dating myself too much, but back in the, you know, undergrad days or, or early grad school days to where we are today, it's just, it's amazing the technology and the research done. So, so kudos to you nutritionists out there, Dr. Rambo, yourself included. Now, one of the things that fascinated me is when I heard you talk about the, the tribute wellness system and it was a, it was new new to me when I was exposed to it to the first time and I was like, wow, this is fascinating. So can you just briefly talk through it to the listeners? Yes. Yeah, so basically all we've done is we've taken a couple different measurements, starting with the Henneke body condition scoring system, that fat over the rib. And we've tried to look a little bit more holistically at the horse's appearance. So if you called me on the phone and said, Hey, my horse is thin. One of the questions I would ask you, well, is he thin in that he needs to gain weight like you can see his ribs? Or is he thin in that he doesn't have enough muscling? Because that's a very important distinction. There have been a lot of cases where someone's told me their horse is thin. And then when I went to look at them, they've got plenty of fat cover. It's their muscling that was light. So with the wellness system, what we aim to do is give scores for both of those along with monitoring those metabolic pockets as indicators of issues over time. So there is a really great document on this on our website. So if you went to tributeequinenutrition.com and went went under the resources tab, it details this a lot more. But very simply, first we look at the body condition scoring system, looking at fat over the ribs. We give them that score of one to nine. Then we do a crest score. So I mentioned those metabolic pockets. So we feel along the crest and see how long and tall that different type of fat pocket that develops when you have a metabolic horse is. This is different than the crest you would see on a stallion. If you feel down a stallion's neck or maybe a gelding who is gelded later in life, it feels the same all the way down. These metabolic fat pockets feel distinctly different 
than the crest on a regular horse. So we give a score for that. And then finally, we give a top line score. And we look at all of those holistically to get a better idea of the horse's diet and what we might change. So this document actually has some really great examples of horses with these different scores. So you can get a good visual and even give some nice before and afters of horses that show this is the issue, a poor top line, for example. Here are some products that were used. And then 30, 60, 90 days later, here's the difference in the horse. So if you're really a visual learner, that's a great way that you can kind of actually see all of these abstract thoughts that we're talking about. No, we'll definitely link those, you know, in the show notes. So you can just click on there and it will take you straight to the wellness Ooh, system. Fancy. And then, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And then if you have any <laughs> questions, you know, all, very cool. <laughs> it is, I mean, that's what's so great about podcasting. It's just such a great way to distribute information and why people are driving and they can consume this, this content. So just to kind of tie this all up, which nutrients, if I was a horse owner, which nutrients would I look at? to say, we'll first talk about condition and then we'll get to muscling. So which nutrients affect conditioning the most? And we know a lot of different ones do, but which ones would like specifically affect condition? Yep. So energy holistically is what affects condition. And there are multiple energy sources in the diet. Protein, terrible energy source. The horse is not very efficient at using protein to turn into energy. Fat, and sugar and starch and fiber are the other energy sources in the horse's diet. So traditionally, we long time ago used to feed horses those heavy sweet feed type diets, corn oats, barley, because that's a very cheap source of energy that's readily available to the horse. We've learned over time, not the healthiest or the safest choice of energy. So then we come down to fat and fiber. So those are really the two that we look at to add condition to a horse in a very safe way. There's no such thing as a 0% sugar starch diet. But if you need to add weight to a horse, a balance of both fat and fiber together are things that help a horse gain weight. Fat's going to be your most calorically dense, um, but fiber brings some really great attributes otherwise to gut health and things like that too. So it's a nice energy source, but fiber by itself, not all that calorically dense. So like you can feed pounds and pounds of beet pulp and not make a big difference. Whereas a fat with fiber could be a nice blend to add weight to a horse. Oh God, it harkens back to the days as a, as a young student feeding whole corn, you know, steamed crimped corn. I think it was, we just had piles and piles of it. <laughs> I remember going down the lane, feeding our horses pure corn. And then later, you know, during my PhD and stuff, learning that wasn't the best feed to give your horses. But, you know, where, where we've come again, where we've come in the last two decades is just amazing. Now, looking at muscling, which, because you mentioned limiting amino acids, so that's great. So which nutrients should a horse owner be looking at? So really those limiting amino acids. So if your horse doesn't have enough muscle and changing from a 12% protein feed to a 14% protein feed without improving the amino acid profile, it's probably not going to do much at all. So lysine, methionine, and threonine are the three most typically limiting amino acids in the horse's diet. So generally, step A would be just improving the amino acid profile of your base feed. 
If we've already done that and a horse still needs to gain muscle, we'd look at adding a ration balancer like Essential K or Wholesome Blends Balancer on top of that because those are super concentrated in those amino acids. So a very typical program for a lot of horses would be, say, four or five pounds of Calm Easy, Calm Ultra, Senior Sport, whatever is appropriate for their job. And then if their top line's not great, we just add a pound of Essential K or Wholesome Blends Balancer to really give them a strong boost in those amino acids to help develop their top lines. Yeah, and I think that's why, it, listening to you talk, that's why it's 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 in my mind. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, you know, we always start with hay in the diet, but when you look at these commercial feeds out there in the market, you know, good, high-quality commercial feeds like Tribute, you know, you really want to be feeding those your, to your horses. And it, it just, I think it helps horse owners, you know, hone in on what exactly their horses need. But yeah, no, fascinating topic. I mean, it, this one I think is just so critical for horse owners to to absorb and understand. And again, if they have any questions, they can reach out to us. Again, the contact info is in our show notes. But yeah, fascinating stuff. And before we sign off, just if you are enjoying these these short episodes, you know, 20 minute bites of equine knowledge, please share with your friends, you know, to keep us going and, and getting this knowledge out there. Other people can really benefit from this knowledge. And, and it's just, like I said, easy consumable, you know, keep it at nutrition related <laughs> topics each week. Bite-sized you know, horse nutrition. That's what we're serving up. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next week with a new topic. Thank you guys. <laughs>